Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 10 of Our Hometown Podcast. My special guest and friend is Chula Vista City Manager, Maria Kachadorian. Um, I want to thank our sponsors, CopyLink and Mini Revlosky with uh, Remax 24K. And, of course, our city of Chula Vista's Clean and Green Food uh, and Waste Program. Dig into that because it's a great program and we need to support our city in a clean and green environment. So I'm honored to have our city manager here, uh, Marie Ketchadorian. I've known Maria for quite a few years. Uh, I've known her through our Rotary Club. We've served together on many committees and boards, and she's an incredible person, both at, as a city manager and also as a human being. And I want you to take time to really listen to what she has to say, and because uh, she is a person of quality, and uh, I'll probably make her talk more in these 45 minutes than she's ever talked in a single place at once, because yeah. she's a woman of few words, but every word counts. So um, let's kind of just start off a little bit with uh, City Manager Maria Ketchadorian's resume. Uh, I understand that she has uh, been in city government work since... Since 1987. 1987, right out of college, right? Right out of college, yeah. And you, your degree in college was? I graduated from San Diego State uh, with a Bachelor's of Science, emphasis in accounting. Well, where's the Go Aztec? What was that? Where's go, the Go Aztec? Go Aztecs, right? <laughs> okay, so go Aztecs. That's right. Aztec for life. <laughs> there you go. And when, did, when was it that you kind of decided that city government or working for the government of municipalities was kind of... Um, something you really wanted to do? So uh, I got my degree from accounting in accounting, and I was really just looking for a job in San Diego. You know, I didn't really want to leave my family. Uh, you know, I wanted to be able to help my parents out because they didn't you know, have high-earning jobs or employment. So my goal really in going to college was really to help support my family. So the best way for me to do that was to go to college, earn you know, a decent wage, um, get health benefits, and be able to provide for my family or at least to help them. Uh, so I really didn't want to leave San Diego. So I was really looking for a job locally. I could have gone to L.A. and maybe gotten a job at a CPA firm. But my goal was really to work here. And so I applied for pretty much every opportunity that, w- that existed here. And 
I was able to get hired from the County of San Diego in 1987. Perfect. And, and what capacity? It was an entry level accounting position. Okay. So I worked, uh, actually I worked uh, downtown at the uh, County Administration Building. Great place to work right out of college. I mean, go for walks right along the bay. It was great. No, that really was Front Street, right? That's not the new beautiful place right here off of Harbor. It was the building. It was right off the Harbor. It was right off Harbor. Is it the same building they yeah. are in now? Yeah. But it was not remodeled yet? It was not remodeled. You didn't have the parks or anything okay. like that. But the inside really does still look the same. They've you know, kept it pretty traditional. But it's a great place. I had I could see the bay from where I was sitting. It was I didn't have a window seat, but I definitely could see the bay. So it was a great place to work. I loved it. Nice. I want to go back to something you just said. Um, you graduated from college in 1987. Yes. <clears throat> and you were the first in your family to graduate from college? Yes. Are you the, the oldest child? No, I'm the middle child. Middle child? Yeah. I'm so the you, invisible child. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Not when you're the first to graduate from college and, uh, and have this desire to do what every wonderful daughter does, and that is to go back and, and yeah. be part of a different trajectory for your family's economy. Mm -hmm. So you, I'm the middle child as well, and no. We're, <laughs> we, we might be as growing up. We might be what we consider the invisible child, but we're usually the ones that, that really set the pace. You know, right. I like so, that. <laughs> so it, it, like in my family now in your family, but yeah. I always love to hear stories like that. And again, when you get to know Maria and see the success she's had, I, any parent would be proud, but uh, she's definitely paid her dues. She's definitely very committed. She's very trustworthy. She's very reliable. And I, I can see uh, why she is the best choice for the city of Chula Vista's city manager. But let's kind of talk a little bit more about how you got there. Mm -hmm. So you were working for the County of San Diego right. uh, and you were in the accounting department. Right. What happens next? So um, I wanted to earn my CPA license. So I transferred over to the audits division where I worked for a few years and then eventually um, wanted to supervise and get into management. So then I transferred over to social services. It used to be social services, but they combined it since I left to health and human services. And I worked there for a few years, um, working in really the finance and accounting realm. Supervising was a whole different ball game. <laughs> and when did when did you step into bigger roles? When did when was like what would what would you say is your first like this promotion really set the tone and the trajectory for where I am today? What, what position would you say that was that kind of said I can see a pathway to where I want to be because of this position? I think that happened when I when I left the county, actually, um, because I had a path at the county. I could see that I was being trained to take on uh, my boss's job, the finance manager, finance director within social services. That was the message I was getting. But I really wanted to explore something beyond just finance and accounting. I wanted to be involved in budget. I wanted to learn more. I had just uh, graduated with my master's degree, again, from San Diego State in public administration, and I wanted to expand my horizon. So I, I actually asked if I could move into the budget office of the department and the person that was in charge said, no, you stay in accounting because you don't normally cross paths. You're either an accountant or you're an analyst. And so to me, that was, um, that to me in my head said, no, I can't, I can't accept that. So I left there. So I think that's the, the moment that put me on the path where I ended up coming to Chula Vista, getting a job as an analyst and then work, working my way up within the department, the finance department. And eventually became the finance director. So I think I don't think it was the promotion. I think it was the message that I got that got me on the path where I needed to go. So let's take a look at that for a second. Um, Shirley Horton yeah. was the mayor when you were hired, and after Shirley Horton, it was D. 
Steve Kessin. Steve Padilla. Steve Padilla. Mm -hmm. And then Cheryl. And Cheryl. Okay. And then after Cheryl, it was? Mary. Mary. And now it's John. John. So you've worked for five mayors. I have. Okay. That that speaks volumes to uh, how valuable <laughs> she is. Um, so yeah, five mayors. Wow. Yeah. And in that time, you can, you've, you've grown. You became city manager in 2020. Yes. June uh, of 2020. Prior to that, you were what the city was, well, what I've seen you identified as a CFO. What's the difference between city manager and CFO? Big difference. So I was a CFO for most of my career at the city, but then I, Gary Halbert promoted me into the city manager's office and I became the assistant city manager there and just really learning what a city manager does. So the finance or the CFO really is managing the city's finances, dealing with budget, accounting, financial reporting, audits, all those things. Um, city manager is a very different job. You're basically the executive director of the city. You're running the show. You report to five bosses, uh, four council members and the mayor. They set policy. They give you direction on where they want the city to go and you implement. So essentially, I'm the executive director of the city. And all the time, and you know, Chula Vista, during this time you were the CFO, Chula Vista was going through some ex exponential growth. So yes. every year looked different. Yes. Every year you had bigger budgets. You probably had bigger budgets to propose. You had bigger you know, line items. Mm -hmm. to consider. So from your first budget, you remember putting together as a CFO to your last one, kind of paint a quick little picture how different that must look. Yeah. So look. yeah, when I started with the city in 1997, um, you know, population was really starting to take off. The development was really starting to happen. And, you know, it's very different to develop a budget for a growing city versus cities basically fully developed because, you're anticipating you're going to need more police, more firefighters, more landscape, you know, employees, more administration as the city grows. But the revenues may not line up exactly right. So you're having to manage this change and the evolution of the city as you're trying to balance the budget. And that was really difficult to do. Um, so now, I mean, we're still seeing growth, but, you know, having gone through that growth and then having gone through the downturn, which was really significant with the Great Recession, I was the finance director during that time. Um, it was also an opportunity for us as a city to really reflect on how we were managing our finances. So I was able to bring forward some great policies for the city council to consider where we really needed to set aside higher reserves again, because we were a growing city. You are going to have your ups and downs. We're adding staff, want to make sure we maintain the services to the community. So it actually offered an opportunity for us to be able to be better prepared when the next recession hit. And, the one thing that I'm really proud of is all the work that we did as an organization to get our reserves up to 15% um, levels. Plus, we had some additional reserves for economic, you know, downturns or catastrophic events, um, and you know, basically built up our cash flows. So I was really proud of when COVID hit and we really didn't know where the economy was going to go. My recommendation to Gary Halbert at the time, city manager, was you know we shouldn't be making cuts, we shouldn't be going to the neighbor groups and asking for reductions. This is why we built up your reserves. So you don't have to react and devastate the organization and eliminate services at a time when the community actually needs us the most. So to me, that's one of the things that I'm most proud of is the actions that we took during that point and the, the times of crisis that really set us up for a better future. So let's let's take a look at some of the big growth we had. And I, and I moved here in 2004. And when I moved here in 2004, it was uh, it was a kind of a doggy dog try to buy a house. Every house had seven, eight offers. Um, and that kind of that momentum started around 96, 97, 98, the house that I'm in, uh, both of them were in 99. So that kind of seems to be a big, 
the Rolling Hills, Rancho Del Rey. And with all that growth, of course, comes property taxes. But with property taxes comes revenue back to the city. But you said something earlier about uh, actualize or realize these funds. So if a house, well, let's use this example. You use the Bayfront. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's uh, assume the Bayfront is fully operational in 2026. Everything's running. Everything's fully developed, fully occupied. From that point going forward, when will the city of Chula Vista actually start seeing uh, the financial benefits of that? Does it, is there like a two-year drag time? It, what, what is that time period where all of a sudden the city of Chula Vista is saying, wow, we are starting to really see this revenue come in? In terms of the Bayfront project itself, so we uh, there was a lot of infrastructure needs that needed to go in before the hotel and conference center you know, was built, or at the same time, actually, the roads, the sewers, all those, all those needs. So uh, the revenues that are being generated by that project will be put back in to pay for the bond, the financing cost of the public infrastructure. Okay. So, but we were very conservative in our projections. So we do anticipate that there will probably be some revenues coming back in, you know, 10 years or so, maybe less. Okay. Depending on how successful it is. Um, but then the immediate effect, I think, are going to be the other projects that happen around it. You know, projects that are coming in afterwards that we're not necessarily going to be dedicating any property tax revenues to bring them in they're going to be generating um, higher tax base for the city. So you start seeing some of that. So for the Bayfront, the city has skin in the game, as you would say, right? We have skin we in the game. And we did project that the revenues, when you're talking about revenues, like extra funds, right? Mm -hmm. We had to make sure that the revenues coming in were going to be sufficient to pay for firefighters, you know, the impacts right. that are created because you're developing such a, an amazing project. So all that has to be considered and balanced when you're going through and negotiating these deals. So outside of the Bayfront, then, there's a chance of the city seeing uh, actualized funds coming from, let's say, Baldwin and Sons, Ascaya, um, some of the development that's mm -hmm. happening on the Bayfront that's not something the city had to invest in, like the, um, the apartment towers. That kind of stuff, we could see funds could coming. see that coming in. All yeah. right. And so we do financial forecasts that makes assumptions based on the developments that we anticipate are coming and when they're coming in, but we also have to account for the services that we have to provide, right. right? So all that is taken into consideration. So you had to put a large amount of financial resources up front to make sure this took off. And your ROI, I guess, would be about eight to 10 years. Eight to 10, yeah. yeah. And again, I think uh, as you've seen, it's going to be a huge success. I right. really do feel that. Well, the ripple effect of that, just how it's, how it's affecting homes right off the five, mm -hmm. you know, off of uh, Woodlawn and off a of church. Um, you're starting to see already some improvements mm -hmm. all the way up through Broadway. So I, I'm always interested about that because people keep talking to me about it and they have this sense that, oh, as soon as the Bayfront's open, it's going to be a windfall of money for the city. And I don't know how to answer that question. I think you did a great job saying it will be beneficial financially to the city, but it's, it's not going to be a time. switch. Like, right. Like 2027, we're going to have right. all this money in the bank. Right. There's going to be services that we have to provide, public safety primarily. Um, but I do think overall it's going to be a shorter time than we anticipate. Now, you talked about um, all the stuff that has to go. You know, when you build a project this or when you not just Bayfront, but again, let's take a look at Ascaya. Let's mm -hmm. take a look at uh, some of the development, you know, uh, Santa Benicia, Baldwin, anything, Millennia. Those are homes, but within that, structure you also need services you need parks you need fire you need police which means you have a growing need for public safety um, and our city addressed that a number of years ago with with what proposition a mm -hmm. right right 
So let's talk a little bit about the benefits now, because it's been, let's see, you had mentioned it's been seven years since the voters approved that. So what, what has it provided the city of Chula Vista um, since then? Mm -hmm. and, and how has it helped us or do we need to do more? So we have measure A and then we have measure P. Okay. Right? So measure A essentially was to go uh, towards adding police and fire, police and fire services and positions. So we have been able to add um, positions, but what we're challenged is filling those police positions right now. As you've seen in the nation, uh, there's less and less people that want to do that kind of work. On the fire side, uh, we're actually doing it really good on the recruitment side, but there are starting to see challenges in the paramedic side of the house, but just the workforce isn't there that it used to be. So we do have some challenges in filling the positions on the public safety side, but we're working on that. Now we had Chief Harry Munns on last year and he addressed uh, the phenomenal success of their paramedic ambulance yes. services, transportation service, yes. how they brought that in house. But yes, I mean, when you're taking over a, when you're taking over something like that, the transportation side, where before it was response, now it's actually response and transport. You know, you you have to kind of upgrade your staff. You have to make sure that you have more paramedics. You have the qualified staff to run that. And he he mentioned it's successful, but there's growth to that. Yeah. As far as police goes, um, I'm saddened that that current situations have created such a disparity towards law enforcement, towards public safety. And again, we have also had Chief Kennedy on. And I think if I, I think if there's any city that anybody would ever want to work for as a police department, it would be Chula Vista because you're you've got probably one of the most awesome police chiefs we've we've had in a long time. And all of them have been good. And, I, and I've known many of them. But she just has this attraction and leadership quality that really uh, makes you want to be your best. Uh, recently, we were at the Heroes Award mm -hmm. Ceremony and just the okay. stories that they shared, you know, you made me very proud of our police department. Um, so if you are uh, listening or watching this and you've entertained the thought of going into public safety, Chula please yeah, <laughs> come to Chula Vista uh, and, and, and have a talk with the chief. Yeah. You'll, she, she is an awesome person. Um, and this is a city that also loves, by the way, just we love our city government. We love our public safety from our fire to our police. Um, so, you know, consider that. But let's kind of move on. Before, I, I did want to add to that. So Please I do. want to just talk a little bit about Roxana, our chief. She just loves our community. Her, she's so passionate about the work that they do. And one of the things I want to point out is her effort to try to protect our drone program because we do have a shortage in staffing. So it's very critical for us to maintain our drone program because it provides information to everyone involved to try to keep the situation that the police officers are responding to in the most safe manner. So this is one of the things that we're, we continually are having to defend, uh, but it's such a valuable tool. And I think more and more public safety agencies and police agencies are going to start using the, the drones, like the drones first responders as we are. So that's the other thing, if you like technology, then you come work for Shalabas. And if you really want to go deeper into this drone program, uh, go back to our inventory um, of podcasts and watch the podcast with Chief Roxana Kennedy because she really unpacks that. She does a great job of explaining all the things and, and measures they've made for public safety and privacy, which has been a little bit of a pushback. So if you really want to understand thoroughly that program, go back and watch that podcast. And again, you realize how valuable, uh, how globally respected you know chula vista is known for a lot of things we're, we're we're also known for answering a call when someone says we can't we we do when someone says we're not we, we show them we will um and chula vista is that city that says 
kind of like you. Mm-hmm. And this is why you're probably the perfect city <laughs> manager. When someone says, no, you can't do that. You know, you, you become the chief of business and says, oh yeah, just watch me. That is, a, that is really, you're right on that. No, you can't have a Gaylord. You know, no, you can't have a university. No, you can't have, you know, economic development happening. We're constantly having to prove and fight for what we really deserve and what really makes sense for our community. You know, that might be the new slogan for Chula Vista. Just watch us. <laughs> you know, Chula Vista, just watch us. Because we are, we're leading. We're yeah. leading the pack in the 18 cities with the things that we're doing. Many cities can't do. Um, so let's talk, so we talk about Measure A, let's talk about Measure P. Let's talk about Measure P. One of my favorites. So this is a half-cent sales tax measure that was approved by the voters in 2016. Uh, we are six years into that measure, and it's generated about $20 million per year, and it's purely for infrastructure. So we have spent um, millions of dollars going into our public facilities. We built two fire stations with that. These are really old fire stations that really needed to be rebuilt. And the nice thing about that is we were able to relocate um, one of them, um, actually, I think both of them, um, to a new location. Uh, which improved our response times. So not only did they get a new building, which was very needed, it actually improved services for the community. We've also had, you know, the ability to, re- you know, libraries, repair our libraries, repair our roofs that were leaking, our Loma Verde Rec Center. When I went into that building, because we had allocated a million dollars to make improvements, I had seen the pool side before, but I'd never really gone to the rec side. It was so bad that I went back. And at that time, it was Gary Howard said, we are not going to waste a million dollars in tax monies on this. We need to start over again. This building was built in like 1970 and it was not properly maintained. It was not properly maintained. Um, this community deserved better. So um, I went back to him and said, we're going to do something different. We're going to take a look at it. We're going to see what does the community really want. And then we're going to find a way to pay for it. It may not happen. And I didn't think it was going to happen during my time. But I wanted to plant that seed in terms of the conversations, in terms of the planning, to make sure that it, it got in its way to at some point in the future, the city may be able to go ahead and just tear it all down and rebuild it. Turns out that um, Measure P did better than we anticipated, so we tore it down. And now it's just, we're going to be opening it up in September. This September, got, yeah. Have you been out there? I have not. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is amazing. They're still working on the pools, so that's coming. The rec site is now open for the after-school program, so kids are using it. And it's the most amazing experience to see the kids walking in the door compared to what they had and see the beautiful facilities that are now available to them. That just provides a lot of pride and dignity to this community, and it's really a regional asset. I mean, really, the entire city is going to be able to use it because it's Olympic site swimming pools, splash pads. It's, and so that, to me, is one of my favorite projects because, again, no, you can't do that. No, that's not going to happen. I'm like, okay, just watch. Just watch. Just and watch. and then you said Olympic size pool, but it's also got the one and three and 10 meter mm-hmm. dive platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, remember Chula Vista also has Olympic training center. So now we got Olympic size pool. Don't be surprised. Maybe if we see a collaboration <laughs> between the Olympic training center and which is under management by the city of Chula Vista anyway. Right. 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 So, and that well, new we, pool. we contract out we the operations, right. But we own it. You own it. Yeah. So see, so measure measure a and measure p 
Uh, so on Measure P, I would say that we, you know, both Measure A and Measure P are really legally general fund revenues, but we have set those aside to meet the commitments that we made to the community when they voted for them. So Measure P, you know, we didn't hire staff or using contractors. We didn't, you know, it's a 10-year temporary tax measure. But uh, the storms that we had with the rain, had we not done this, you probably would have seen more sinkholes happening in the city. So the return on this investment was huge, but people don't really know it because, you know, it's underground. You don't right. see those storm drains and corrugated metal pipes, but it, it was a huge success. So <clears throat> it sounds like in some ways we have the financial assets. We're now looking for the manpower and the talent to take those positions. Yes. So we're not, we're, our police department is understaffed, I think by what, 26 officers? It varies. Yeah. Um, last night, I think it was like 30. Okay. So. And, but it's not because we can't afford them. We can't. And I, I have to say, Chief Roxana Kennedy also has a very high standard. Um, but you will find a person who you would want, not want to work harder for and who will watch out for you um, and have your back. But she's just not going to put breathing bodies in a car. There is, there is a, there is a, um, a there's just a right fit you have to have to be an officer in Chula Vista. And I think most of all you have to understand that policing is not uh, a heavy hand. At sometimes, sometimes it's just she calls it compassionate policing. Mm -hmm. You have to understand. You have to be more than just an officer that's going to write a ticket uh, and respond. But you also have to be human, and you have to uh, enjoy. You're the community you're serving. That's right. I think that's, I think that's, that's, right. that's something that's, and the community that, she, that she serves and protects isn't always a community that everybody sees as, oh, this is great because any great city always has an attraction and we want to attract great people. And sometimes we attract people that don't respect our city, or sometimes they're just kind of parking themselves in our <laughs> city and not really acting like good citizens. Um, some of them do to financial situations. Some of them do to just, they're just passing through. But we do have, like anybody else, uh, city, we have a homeless challenge. And let's talk a little bit about, again, some of the cutting edge and advanced uh, programs that we have that serve uh, that serve the homeless. We started off with a hot team out of the right. Chula Vista Police Department. So in addition to the homeless outreach team, uh, what else are we doing? So we just opened up our... Um... Bridge Shelter. This is our little pallet homes uh, village at Otai is what we refer to it. So it just opened up in May. Uh, we were working with the hot team. They identify individuals who are you know, looking for transitional housing. So this is to get them off the streets, get them into an environment where they're getting wraparound services, getting the help they need. We feed them, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so and trying to help them, trying to really transition out of homelessness. So we just, like I said, just opened this up and we received funding from the state. Um, and we have about 66 pallet homes. Each pallet home can house two people. Uh, but right now we're just going with individuals. And the nice thing about having a pallet shelter versus a tent is you can bring your pet. So you can bring your dog. And that's part of their family. So a lot of you know, people that are homeless, you can see them with pets because that's their, you know, their family member. And you said so, there's 66? Yeah, there's 66 pallet homes, yeah. So we're starting to see people coming in um, again. You know, one of the criticisms we get is like, well, that's not the solution to homelessness. And I'm like, there is no such thing as the solution. Right. There's no the solution. These are human beings with varying challenges. So that's one of the things we're doing. Um, we also work with a lot of nonprofits to try to provide assistance, you know, uh, with you know, rehab, because you know, there's a lot of addiction challenges that we're seeing in the community. 
Um, of course, we're watching what's going on in San Diego in terms of the ordinance they just approved, watching what happens there. Has Mayor, has, has the San Diego Mayor come down and taken a look at what you're doing with this bridge shelter? We are getting a lot of requests for, for tours, and we're trying to schedule them in, in a way where it's not disruptive or, you know, we want to be respectful for the people that are there. So we are scheduling some of those probably in another month or so. Uh, we're going to start seeing people coming in because we're getting requests from all over the place. They want to see how it's set up, how it's working. You know, what does it really look like inside the, the, these little um, little shacks? But uh, so far, so good. And we're just going to keep trying what we, you know, anything we can do to try to make uh, make it easier for people to transition out. But that's probably the biggest challenge I think we all have. Is there other things on um, on schedule to deal with homeless besides this bridge beyond this bridge shelter program? What else is the city of Chula Vista looking at? So we are at? looking at some options. I really can't discuss those okay. yet. Um, that, we are that just at, means I have to bring you back, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. We are looking at other things. Okay. Yes. So you're, uh, and, and this is a conversation I know has been going on in the city. You, you always seem to be looking for solutions. Yeah. This is not like, okay, this, we've done the bridge shelter thing. So, we're, you know, we, we're, we're done, you know, drop the mic. This is all we're going to do. No, it's kind of like, what's next? We, you, you seem to be very, um, responsive, very proactive instead of reactive. And I, I've noticed that about our, our city government and public safety, which is another thing I love about our city is rarely are you caught off guard. You seem to have a very good um, grasp at forecasting what can go wrong or what, how to manage things. I, I don't think the city has been caught off guard, anything major that's like, Oh, we didn't see that coming. No one saw COVID coming, but you just mentioned earlier that when it did, you already had, not things in place for that, but you had the financial resources to weather a storm like that. Yes. Uh, we actually had, you know, I have to say we were prepared for that in some ways because we had just boxes of masks <laughs> in the back room. We actually had a lot of masks. The village, us, our, our EOC team really did a good job of preparing. So we actually had some of the equipment that we needed, uh, but we none of us really knew what how we were going to manage to do that. But we were the first uh, city, I think we were one of the first cities that actually started shutting down our facilities. Uh, because when it, we needed to make sure that our employees were safe. And then we were impacted, too, because Steve Padilla uh, right. caught it very early, and he was in the hospital. So it, it was very real to us very early on. Yeah, it hit him hard. It hit him really hard. So it was very stressful times. Um, that was really stressful times, yeah. not knowing how this was going to play out. Luckily, he's okay, and he's in the state senate now. He's a tough guy. <laughs> he's a tough guy. Um, so let's take a look at So we talk about how great the city of Chula Vista is and, and its public safety and its city government and everything else going on. It's growing. Um, I've heard projections say that we're going to top 300,000 by the next census. So there, with all that and growth that we've talked about from 97 up to today, obviously it takes more people to, to run this big machine, people who, are, who have a passion to want to work within the city. So, um, I know the city is hiring. Um, yes. and I know you mentioned to me, we, we are hiring. Do they want to show up? So, I mean, if you want to, start a path like uh, Maria Cacciadorian city manager and, and come in and as an analyst or come in in some other capacity and see how nice it is to work. And I will, I will tell you, I go, I'm down at city hall a lot and I see the staff walking around outside enjoying the courtyard. It's a very, there's not a hustle and bustle. It's very calming. It's kind of a nice place to just kind of hang out. So I, it must mean the work environment is not, it's stressful, but it's not um, unrealistic. It's, it's not unrealistic. I mean, we, I mean, it has its ups and downs, right? Depending on what's going on. We have very high, intense times. Um, but I think overall, the, the city staff, we really try to take care of our employees. You know, we do a lot of events um, and we offer, I think, great benefits. 
uh, we offer great, you know, leave balances and flexible schedules uh, just to make sure that you know, the balance between work life and home life, we try to do a better job of that. Um, but I think people really just enjoy providing. I mean, we have people who work in our city that want to provide services to the community. They want to make the life better for our community. And I think that's our driving force. I mean, we will be in a, in a room having conversations about whatever issue that might be. And we are trying to find a path forward. So we, we talked about the need for, for public safety. We talked about the need um, for the employees. What, what areas are you in greatest need for? So if someone says, if you were to speak out to maybe three demographics of our greatest need right now that we're hiring for are these three or four, whatever they are, what would be, what would be those needs? So I said police officers, that's okay. a, yeah, the safety. greatest need, public safety. Um, I would say on the development side, you know, um, inspectors, like building inspectors, as you're saying, you know, we're a growing city. We have a lot of, not only growing, traditionally the city had been growing so much on the east side, right? So we were doing the master plan communities, but we're seeing a lot of development happening, infield development happening on the west, which is very different type of permitting inspections because there are older buildings. So uh, building inspectors, code enforcement, you know, those types of positions are, are also in need. Dispatchers are always in need. Okay. It's a tough job. I, my hat's off to the dispatchers when they pick up that 911 call for them to be able to manage through those phone calls. They're amazing. We have a great team. So dispatch, you know, law enforcement, uh, setting code, and they can find these jobs on the website? Yes. Okay. Can, yes. On our city of Chalavisco website, under human resources, you'll be able to actually um, register. And so that anytime there's an opening, you'll get notified. So you don't miss out on, on an opportunity. Okay, perfect. And then um, what is the future of Chula Vista? I mean, I mean, not just the financial outlook, but, you know, what do you see some of the great, <coughs> excuse me. So obviously we talked about the realizing of revenue. So the, I'm, we'll talk about the financial outlook, but what are some of the things that are on the horizon that are in, that you can talk about that the city is looking to accomplish? We know we have the, uh, studio, the film and art studio. Yeah, we're negotiating that. Well, we have the Millennia Library that's going to be built. Okay. And we're currently in discussions with San Diego State. There's no legal obligation with San Diego State. Um, I know there's been some articles written, but we're really just in conversations. None of this has really been taken forward to the city council for consideration. We're just having a discussion um, and we'll see where that goes. But the university land itself, I think that's where the greatest opportunity for the city really lies. Uh, we've done a great job on housing. I mean, no one can say that we haven't, you know, done our share on providing housing in the region. Clearly, more affordable housing would be great. And that's, we have a lot of affordable housing units being built right now. I think over 500. So I think we're really going to make a dent there. But where we really need to focus on our jobs, we need jobs in the South Bay. We need to develop our university innovation district um, so it'll bring those jobs and get people off the freeway going north because it's a parking lot. And the more as we grow and the more people want to leave the city, it's just going to create more traffic issues. So we really need to create, that's where the revenue potential is, you know, really for the city to go to the level that you were talking about where the revenues really are coming in is the economic development side of the house. Now, when we had the um, Amazon HQ2 RFP out, and I know that Chula Vista had a moment of glory where I, I believe Jeff Bezos actually even inquired a little bit about our city. And the way we presented that was a great opportunity. <clears throat> I also heard conversations that a lot of tech didn't realize the opportunity that was set forth that Chula Vista is offering. 
Um, and there was conversations about how, you know, um, Sorrento Valley might be moving south into Chula Vista. Is any of that in motion? Is there is there any um, contingents coming from Chula Vista up to those businesses saying, hey, take a deeper look, take a take a closer look at Chula Vista. We have what you might be looking for. So we hired uh, we, we took to the city council. I think it was last December. The request for contract with CBRE. Okay. So they're under contract now with us to do exactly that, not just from a business standpoint, but also university standpoint. Okay. So they are out there helping us promote what we have to offer in Chula Vista. So yes. Perfect. And has there been positive feedback? Has there been any? There, there has been positive feedback um, and we are having discussions, but I'll have to come back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then let's, let's end with this. Let's end with this financial outlook. So um, what do you... What do you see in the next three, five, 10 years? And we know 10 years and beyond, you know, all things working right. Chula Vista could be quite a solvent city um, after it's covered its bond for the infrastructures on the Bayfront. Uh, what are some of the other things that you think will benefit um, more open space with the University Village? Of course, what are some of the things that financially we could be looking at more affordable housing? So I'm kind of curious, um, where's the pot of gold at the end of this rainbow? Well, everybody thinks I'm hiding the pot of gold. As a finance director, <laughs> everyone would say, where are you hiding all the money? I'm like, I'm not hiding anything. Um, so that's kind of funny. Uh, but the pot of gold really is, I think, and in my opinion, is the university land and the university innovation district. That's bringing the high paying jobs. And actually even beyond that, just offering the opportunity for our, our the region to have another opportunity to go attend college and you know, be able to get your degree and get a job. That's essentially what happened to me. I was able to get San Diego State. It wasn't impacted like it is today. So many students are being turned away, not because they don't qualify, it's because they don't have the capacity. So, uh, you know, our kids are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're getting their grades. They're, they're competitive, but they can't get in because it's impacted. Um, and it's very hard for, you know, students to leave, you know, the region um, and afford to be able to go to a college somewhere else. Where uh, we have place-bound kids, and it's, it's very challenging. So there's, there's. So kind that's of... that's the future for right, me. I right. mean, that's what I see is not just the economic development opportunities, but the opportunities for the the young people who are living in our region. So I know that there is um, a potential stick in the spokes on how that manage how that land is managed, and I've heard it mentioned the Surplus Land Act. Right. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, essentially. Uh, you know, the state in its attempt to try to, uh, you know, encourage more, really force more housing development, you have to go through the HCD, the Housing Community Development Department of the state, when you have public owned land. So you can't just negotiate with the developer. You actually have to offer it up uh, for housing. And if they, you know, it doesn't work and they don't take it, then you have the ability to develop it. So we're kind of caught in this situation, although our land is restricted because we have legal obligations in terms of when we obtain the land to mm -hmm. utilize it for university purposes. We're getting caught up in the legislation and the language that the Surplus Land Act requires. So David Albers has the ability sponsoring AB 837 that essentially provides us the exemption that we should have. So that's moving its way through the Senate. I've had to go up to Sacramento a few times to really speak on our behalf. So watch the knock on wood so far so good. And again, that's AB 837. Eight. 37. 37. And so that's for, David so Alvarez. David, okay, yeah. So definitely we want to look at that. We, you know, sometimes things get in our way, uh, but we want to make sure. I think Chula Vista has proven itself very competent of managing its own property, uh, balanced development. Mm -hmm. um, of, I think it was 
prior to COVID, I read an article that talked about there was only four cities in the 18 cities of San Diego County that had any developable amount of property. And high on that list was Chula Vista. Yes. Um, and, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. We have a big responsibility with that property. And we're just not throwing it out there and overdeveloping. There, it's, very, it's very thought out. It's very strategic. But in order for us to keep this pace and make things happen, we also have to make sure that we're not being distracted by certain policies and, and challenges that either slow it down or redirect or, you know, sometimes people who dictate policy don't live in our neighborhood and don't understand the, the dynamics. So I'm going to leave you with some opening comments. How would you like to end this? Talk to us about, give us your, why you love Chula Vista speech. Well, I mean, Chula Vista has always been a, a, a great place to raise your family. The schools are amazing. We do a lot of work with the schools and the innovation district, the innovation stations. I'm sorry. We do a lot with the schools. Um, but again, I grew up in Imperial Beach. My mom loved Chula Vista. We, we couldn't afford to live here in Chula Vista at the time. And now her daughter's running the city. To me, that's like <laughs> when I go into work every day, I'm like, God, you know, if my mom were alive, she's passed away. She would be so proud of the fact that, she, you know, I'm running the city that she always loved and could not afford to live in. Uh, so that to me means a lot, you know, so I carry that with me every day that I come into work. I'm here to provide services to the community. I'm here to, you know, follow the direction of the city council because ultimately they're the ones who make the decision, implement that. And really, I'm very proud of the executive team that we've built. I mean, we have amazing directors. Um, so I'm just very, I do consider myself very lucky. Well, I, I will tell you this again, I've known Maria for, for many years. Uh, we're both Rotarians in the Rotary Club of Chula Vista. Um, prior to COVID, uh, we were part of a fundraising group that uh, hosted our events. And Maria was the first one that always says, I'll take care of the books. And let me tell you, she takes care. She has, she'll chase a penny down. She right. is a balance, perfect person. <laughs> Not just that. And, and that's one of your great gifts is she, she's a great leader. She's a natural leader. Um, and it's no surprise that she's city manager and I'm very happy to have her as city manager. Again, it's just one of those things about our city that I love. And I'm very thankful she took time out of her schedule to come and talk with you. And this won't be the last time you'll hear from her, but we'll check in with her in a little while as things move forward. But I wanted to thank all of you for tuning in and supporting this program. Uh, remember to support our sponsors. Um, we have the, and back to the city. The city has spent a lot of effort to help our environment. Uh, of all the cities I've lived in, and I've lived in a number of them before I landed in Chula Vista, um, I've never seen a city that cares more about the environment and they are very proactive and they're, they're boots on the grounds and they put, you know, backbone and money behind programs that are right for our city to help, uh, our city stay clean and green. And one of these is the food and waste program. They're also talking about food rescue that's coming out. I would really ask that as you get these flyers or you see the advertisement in our hometown newsprint, really look at it and be sure that how you're separating your trash uh, is appropriate. Uh, make it a habit. It takes a little bit of time, but you know, it's worth it. And in encourage composting yourself too, taking some of those things and just composting your own soil uh, and growing things because this is a beautiful city and we're clean and green and green because people care about our plants. I also want to thank uh, Kevin Marshall and CopyLink. A little plug for Kevin, uh, June's issue of Our Hometown Newsprint. When you pick it up, you're going to see that handsome face of Kevin Marshall. He was uh, selected as Man of the Year. And you want to talk about some beautiful stories from his family and friends and peers um, if you don't know Kevin Marshall, then you're just, you don't, you're not in Jula because you can't help but run into a guy like that. But he's everywhere. <laughs> help me congratulate Kevin Marshall as man of the year. Um, 
And then Minnie Rozlowski, who's also a, a Chula Vista Bonita resident, a wonderful person and great realtor. You can read her articles in our issue as well. She's very honest. She's a great realtor broker. And if you have any questions about real estate, buy or sell, uh, give Minnie a call. Uh, her information again is in our hometown newsprint. And that is it for this episode 10 with my wonderful guest city manager, Maria Catadorian. And until next time, please be kind to yourself and to your neighbors. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.